helping people grow. And the big idea with this whole series is that the greatest factor in helping people grow is environment. It's actually what's in the culture that contributes most to how people grow and how people change. So if we can create the right conditions, then we create the best chance for um, really all of us to, to grow and change. And so each week we talked about these life-changing conditions. Um, probably uh, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, um, I talked about safety. So I started us off and I talked about safety and then we talked about self-awareness or a commitment to the truth. Um, we talked about vulnerability. Last week, Andy talked about using the gospel to affirm the right messages and refute the, the bad messages that we all collect. And today, we're going to look at the condition that validates all those other conditions. That's why, what, that's why we're talking about what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to get those notes here real quick. All right, we'll see how this goes. I think when I'm done with each sheet, I'm just going to, like, launch it. So you guys will, like, have my sermon. Um, but today, we're, we're going to look at the condition that, that validates all the other ones. And, and so the idea is that uh, we can create all these other conditions, and yet people still have skeptical hearts. And so, like, this is the, the seal of authenticity. Uh, what we talk about today says this is actually true. We're going to look at serving one another. Uh, another way that you can say that is caregiving. And the anchor verse for this series is 2 Corinthians 3.18. I'm going to read this to you. You've heard it every single week. Um, but I want to ask you to pay attention to six words right in the middle, okay? It goes like this, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness. Those are the words with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, uh, I told you that God wants you to grow, and he wants everyone you know to grow. He doesn't intend for us to stay the same, and the reason why is because God has aspirations for every single one of you. God is a good father, and good fathers have aspirations for their children. And God has aspirations for us. And so the way that I've been talking about this is that it's like there's a current version of you and then the Jesus version of you, and God is trying to help you look like the Jesus version of you. He's trying to help you become that. So here's what is unique about this series. This series is not about how do you change you. So what's unique about this series is that it's not about how you change you. Um, it's not a, it, this, this is not a self-help series. It's not how you can maximize yourself. This series, it's about how the Holy Spirit uses all of us, how he uses his community or his people to shape and grow his people. We are God's growth plan for all of us. We grow together. And that's why it's such an appropriate title that, that Andy used um, for this whole series. So I'm going to hang some, some real life on this for you, if, if I can. Um, I want to tell you about someone that I know. Back in 2003, Co and I, we led a small group at our house. 
and it was made up of single adults. And one of those single adults was a lady that I'm going to call Ivana. And the first night of, of really any group that I lead, whether it's a DNA or a GC or any other kind of, of small group, um, I always do some kind of get to know you thing. You know, I'll ask some questions. And, and the, the bottom line is I just want to help people work the circle and, and just kind of share um, about their lives. And so that night, um, we found out um, something really unique about this gal, Ivana. Um, as a young child, she actually fled communist Czechoslovakia with her family. But get this, you guys. She's the only one who got out. They all made the attempt, and she's literally the only one standing on the other side of the wire, and that meant that she was completely alone. So just imagine that for a second. You know, you could, you could maybe think of your, the eight-year-old version of yourself or, or maybe think of some of the kids you know. You know, you flee this, this horrible existence, and now you're all alone. That's literally what her life was like and, and how her life went. Now, fast forward uh, a number of decades, and Ivana lands in our brand-new little family. And she's delightful. I mean, Ko and I, we love her immediately. We still love her. And everybody did. Now, she comes every single week. She never misses a week. She's actually interested in you. She's engaging. She's chatty. She has opinions. She has ideas, but she's not pushy. And I began to think something really beautiful is happening here. This woman who has lived her whole life without her family has found a brand new family. We were becoming that family for her. And then I noticed something. I noticed that there was a difference with Ivana. Um, Ivana was present in the room every single week. She showed up. I mean, she brought her body. She sat in the room. But it was like there, there was a part of her life that we were never allowed to be a part of. We never got to see her heart. We never got to, to know about her internal world. And this little family that we had, it was a really good family. People were beginning to open up to each other. Uh, some amazing life change was happening. But the whole time, it was like Ivana simply watched us from the safety of her private world. And then one week, everything changed. We had been together for about a year and uh, Ivana showed up to the group this one week. And I'll tell you what happened in a second, okay? So like I said, uh, one week, everything changed. Ivana shows up um, at the group, and immediately everyone knew something was wrong. Um, her body language was all wrong. She was just closed down. Um, she wouldn't talk to us. This is a chatty woman who has nothing to say, and she wouldn't give us eye contact. Her face was like stone. And that night, we found out that there was something that happened in her life that made it so that she could no longer bear the weight of her own life on her own, like she had done all her life. And she told us what happened. Now, get this, you guys. In the seven days since we had last seen her, her job was suddenly eliminated. I mean, just gone. Like, not just like your job is gone, like the company's gone. There's no severance. There's no nothing. You just now don't have an income. Her landlord sold the house that she was renting, so she had to be out in 30 days. And you guys, here's where it gets really dark. The, the day before our, our small group, she found her roommate lifeless in bed. 
her roommate had died in her sleep in the middle of the night. And here's my point. We were safe enough with Ivana long enough. We held that safety in our community long enough that she was finally able to let us in on the truth about her life. And what we did is we just gathered as a family around her, and, and she finally showed up, and we stepped in and, and gave active caregiving and helped with this awful, horrible burden. I mean, we helped her find another place to live. We, um, you know, we gave her rent. We, we paid her deposit. We helped her move. Um, we even helped with the, with the funeral arrangements for her roommate, who also did her life completely isolated and alone. The most beautiful thing happened. Everything changed for Ivana from that point on. She literally went from being a spectator in this life-changing family to a fully participating member um, with all of us. Ivana never sat outside of our circle again, just like watching us do life together. She finally chose to join us as an insider. And you guys, here's the big reveal on that. We had the relational environment in our group just, I mean, over time, it became safe to be you in our family. If you were a part of your, our family, eventually it became safe for you to be you. And we looked at the hard truth about our lives and we welcomed each other into our lives. We affirmed the right messages with the gospel. We, we refuted the bad ones. But none of that was enough for Ivana. I mean, she still had her skeptical heart that said, you do life on your own. That's, that's how it's been from the beginning and that's how it's always going to be. Her heart needed real-life data that actually showed that she mattered to us. And when the opportunity finally landed, we were ready, and we engaged her, and we rallied around her. And you guys, that's the big point of this whole message today. Serving one another, what it does is it validates all the other life-changing conditions. So you can think you're getting it all right and people still may have skeptical hearts. This changes all that. And so our text for this morning, I'm, I'm going to read it in a second, but um, I'm going to pray for us first, okay? And uh, I'm going to ask you to pray for me, too. So let me pray. Jesus, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad that we don't have to search for you and try to find you and do things to get your attention. We're so grateful that we matter to you, and that you long to do something. We need that. We need you. We need your care and your direction, and we ask for it uh, this morning. Um, help me to be clear, Jesus. Help me um, to communicate this message that, uh, that you've given us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So uh, the, the text for this morning is Galatians chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 2. I'm going to read the verse 5. Um, I want to read this to you, but I want to ask you to notice two words as I read this. Um, one is at the very beginning. One is at the very end. The word at the beginning is the word burdens, okay? The word at the end is load, burdens and load. Be looking for those. And by the way, I, I need to do like a full disclosure on this. Um, before I read this passage, I want you to know that it is specifically about 
the weight of sin in our lives. That's the weight that, that Paul is talking about, um, that sin is both a burden and a load. But the concept still applies to other heavy things in our lives. And so that's how we're going to use it today, okay? Just want, want to make sure you know that. Okay, here's the passage. Ready? Carry each other's... Nobody? Burdens. Good. All right. You got it. You got the first word. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You should pay attention to those three words, the law of Christ. Actually, that's four. Um, If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. For each one should carry his own load. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> awesome. um, so we are to carry each other's burdens, but each of us should carry our own load. That confusing, right? It's like, what exactly does that mean? It, it seems mutually exclusive. Well, let me come back to that uh, a little bit later, okay? But first, let me focus on what this passage assumes, It assumes that life is heavy, and eventually everyone needs help with what they're carrying. If this passage right here, if it had a theme song, you remember that that classic REM song, Everybody Hurts? You remember that one? Like, that would be the theme song to this. Everybody hurts, everybody cries sometime. And so the idea is that we all have heavy things to carry, and it is the weight of the life that we live that is our heavy thing. And sometimes that, w- that life that we live, it weighs a lot. It weighs a ton. And, and sometimes, no, not so much. Listen to Job. This is Job chapter 3, and I'm going to read it out of the message because I want you to hear it um, in the way that we might say it, okay? So this is Job chapter 3, and Job says, Obliterate the day I was born. Blank out the night that I was conceived. Let it be a black hole in space. May God above forget it ever happened. Erase it from the books. That life weighs a ton. Oh, my gosh, that is a heavy life. Now listen to David. This is Psalm chapter 5, verse 11. Again, I'm going to read it out out of the message. He says, and he's speaking to God. He says, you will welcome us with open arms when we run for cover to you. Let the party last all night. Stand guard over our celebration. You are famous, God, for welcoming God-seekers, for decking us out in delight. So that life is not only not heavy, it not only doesn't weigh a ton, that life right there, it is buoyant. Well, here's my point. None of our lives are weightless all the time. And I think you all know that. Like, you know the times in your life where life has felt, like, heavier than you can handle. Eventually, all of us need help with our heavy things. So that's what Galatians assumes. And then what Paul does is he comes right out and he says it. He says, because life is heavy, be the kind of person who helps others with their heavy things. Be that kind of person. He says, carry each other's burdens. And you guys, here's the, here's the bigger idea. Here's what extends beyond that, that Galatians passage. When we carry burdens, when we help people with their heavy things, it actually documents our love for those people. 
it doesn't uh, it doesn't create that love. You don't create the love by um, by serving people. It displays that love. It puts that love in the public record, and for people receiving your caregiving, it becomes hard evident for those people that that are on the receiving end of of your caregiving for you're serving in love, it becomes hard evidence that they are loved, but also that we can be trusted. Paul says that when we help with burdens, we satisfy the law of Christ. Remember that when, when I read that in Galatians? Any idea what that is? Do you remember what that is? That phrase, the law of Christ, that appears two times in the Bible, two times in the New Testament, both times Paul says it. Let me read this to you. See if this is familiar. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor. He says that in Matthew 22. He says, love God. And by the way, the the people that you do life with, the people that you're around all the time, love them too. And Jesus said, love each other as I have loved you. He said that in John 15. And Jesus also said, He did not come to be served, but to serve, Matthew 20. So this is a bigger deal than you might imagine because people don't trust people today. I mean, don't we know that? People don't trust people today. Maybe we never have, and maybe we have good reasons not to trust people. You know, we've been talking about helping people change and helping people grow. If you don't know it, Doing that is an inside job. You can't do it from the outside. You can't, like, be outside someone's heart and help them change and help them grow. That process, it requires vulnerability. We must welcome helpful people into the parts of us that need changing. And those parts aren't always comfortable with us. And every time we do that, we're taking a risk. I I think that one of the, the biggest problems like actually, literally, one of the biggest problems that we have in life right now is hacking, actual hacking. And at this very moment, I mean this second, right now, someone in the world is trying to hack into someone else's stuff. Someone is sitting in a chair at a desk, their hands are on a keyboard, they're looking into a screen, and they're trying to pick the lock or kick in the door and get access to someone's private virtual world. I mean, it's, it's becoming huge. In fact, um, just recently, one of the biggest data breaches in history was our own government. Like, they got hacked. Have you guys ever been hacked? Can we do a show of hands? I, I'd like to know who has been hacked. Okay, like not a bunch of you, but maybe some of you have gotten viruses. My does that. Um, One of the things that he does is, um, uh, for work, is he removes ransomware from uh, computers. Well, I did get hacked one time. Ko and I, we were on a a trip um, in Washington, D.C., and one day I was out on my own. I was walking on the National Mall, like literally right next Capitol building where all the, the riots went down, and I got a call from my bank department. You guys, that's the least cool message on your phone. It's like, I don't store that number in my phone 
And it literally said, Union Bank checking frog department. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what just happened? And come to find out, apparently someone hacked my debit card back in San Diego. And so there is, there's an actual video of someone in Mission Hills at a Wells Fargo taking out wads of cash from my account using a clone card and my stolen PIN number. Guys, that's a creepy feeling. And it is a common threat. But you know what? Those aren't the worst kinds of hacks. They're not the ones that hurt us the most. Actual people have been hacking into actual lives hundred generations. And having your computer hacked is horrible, I know. It's like, it's really hard to come back from something like that. But a hacked life, it can scar your heart for a long, long time. And I think that we know that. The really bad hacks, they happen when we think that we can trust someone and we welcome them into our lives and then we discover they're just using us or we serve some bigger purpose for them, or they're taking advantage of us, or they're trying to get something from us. I could work this metaphor for an hour because everyone's life has been hacked, and we all know what that feels like. But when you give care to people, when you serve them in love, it puts this white-hot spotlight on your pure motives, and they see it too. And when you show that you're the kind of person who helps with things, it also shows that you're the kind of person who can be trusted. I mean, you can fake being a safe person and, and sneak your way into someone's life. It happens all the time. But caregiving or serving others is the one life-changing condition that no one will fake for long. Do you guys get that? It's like this caregiving thing, it's just too hard. And there's no payoff for the one who's giving out the care. The, the only one who benefits is the one who is receiving the care. And hackers in our lives, they won't do that for long. So you guys, what is this thing then? Like we've been talking about caregiving, we've been talking about serving others in love. What exactly um, is Paul asking us to do? Well, the good news is I don't have a complicated answer um, because there isn't a bunch of technique for this. Uh, it's really simple. It goes like this. And then I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it, then I'm going I'm to talk about two quick ideas. Caregiving happens when you show up in someone's life and help them meet their needs. That's it. Mic drop. Like, it's as simple as that. Like, if you, if you came this morning and you were ready to hear that and receive that and do that, we could be done. We just all leave because that's what this is all about. Caregiving happens when we show up in someone's life and help them meet their needs. If you love someone and you want them to know that you love them, do that. It's hard data. It's in the public record. It's undeniable. And it costs you something, and they know it. But let me just highlight two really quick things, okay? Helping someone, um, uh, helping with someone's needs is helping with their burdens. So um, needs equal burdens. Uh, and and I, I want to make that connection to that passage in, in Galatians. Uh, the common meaning for the word burden in Galatians is your body weight. And so when Paul used that word, 
that's the, that's the big idea behind that. It, it's, a, it's a metaphor. Um, years ago, I, I trained as a rescue diver, um, scuba, re rescue scuba diver. And uh, it was one of the funnest things I've ever done. Uh, it was, I, I loved it. And one of the things, we, we did all these simulations. That, that was part of our training. And one of the things that we had to do is we would take injured divers at depth and bring them to the surface, stabilize them, and then bring them out through the surf onto the beach. And so that meant drag fellow students through the surf onto the beach um, as dead weight. When I did that, I was literally bearing their burden. And so if Paul was being literal here, he would be saying this. I'm going to read this to you. When things are so hard that someone collapses under the weight of their own body, climb under their arms and carry them. That's what it means literally. Paul wasn't being literal. Paul was saying this is a metaphor for the heavy things in our lives. Co and I, we, we know a couple, uh, we have friends who had a fire in their building. It wasn't in their condo. It was in the condo right next to them. They, they shared a wall. And the smoke ruined their furniture, and it made their home completely unlivable immediately. It's like you're at work, the fire breaks out, you can't even come home. I used to work at this huge church in Chicago, and I, I did single adult ministry. We had like literally 5,000 single adults. But one of the ladies, one, one, one of the single moms that was a part of our ministry, she was kind of all alone in life. And she had these two young daughters. And then when we found out that she was diagnosed with this extremely aggressive and, and debilitating cancer, just her treatment alone would wipe her out for the next six months. The last church that I worked at, um, I had a buddy on staff. Um, he and his wife, they, they lost their infant son. He had a, a congenital disease, senseless. Like an unconscious body, these are heavy burdens. And they're virtually impossible to carry on our own. I couldn't carry any one of you like 50 feet. And sometimes life is like that too. And Paul says we're not meant to carry heavy stuff like that. He says that when our lives get too heavy, we're to help each other with those burdens. Second quick thing, caregiving is also showing up. And that means getting close to someone's life. Again, just, just kind of like work that metaphor a little bit. Think about that burden-bearing metaphor, what it means and what it asks for from us. If I were to actually carry you, Imagine just for a second, I walked over to you right now, and I intended to pick you up and carry you. What would that take? I know what it would take. I would have to grab hold of you. I'd have to get my hips underneath me, and I'd have to push really hard with my legs to get you off the ground. I've done that a million times. You want to know why? Because I used to wrestle competitively and coach competitive wrestling for 15 years. I've done that over and over and over again. And I can tell you, I can't do any of that from a distance. I have to actually get right up next to you, and, and, and that's implied in, in, this, in this metaphor. If you want to show up in someone's life, you're going to have to get up close to them and, and then do something that meets a relevant need. 
not a random need, a relevant need. So let me ask you, this is a rhetorical question because I'm not asking for responses, but imagine we were in a DNA together or imagine we were in a GC together. I would ask this question and I would ask us to wrestle with this question. How would you define caregiving? What do you think of when you hear that word? When I was, when I was writing this message, I, I did a little exercise. I stopped at this point, and I gave myself five minutes. I set a timer, and, and I decided I was going to list as many examples of caregiving as I could in those five minutes. Here's my list. It won't take five minutes, I promise. Mow a friend's lawn. Set up a meal train. Watch a friend's child. Write an encouraging note. Buy some groceries, lend a car, provide a guest room for a friend, host a party, fix a faucet, send a thoughtful text, appear in court, meaningful touch, check in with a friend, write a reference, clean a house, sit in a waiting room, call around for estimates, pay for a repair, assemble IKEA furniture, organize a moving party, throw a birthday party, remember details, uh, foster parent a child, uh, give rides to the airport, gift certificates, ask thoughtful questions, stay current with a friend, call first, rally help from others, pay an overdue bill, provide an evening out for a single mom, invite a single friend over for a holiday, listen, just listen. Again, you guys, there's no technique, none. It's just show up and, and, and meet a relevant need. Um, you don't need a technique because this isn't some way to soft hack your way into someone's life. This is showing up in someone's life and providing care simply because you have it to give. And more importantly, because Jesus showed up in your life and he cared for your greatest need. So I want to do one last thing, okay? Um, and I'm going to do this quickly. Um, one of the things I love about Andy, is, is he even here? I, know. I, I love this about Andy when I know, because I see it every week, that one of the things that Andy does is when he's writing a message, he's always thinking in his head about the questions that might come up or the objections, um, and, and then he, like, delivers those through, through his message. So this is in the spirit of Andy Rogers, okay? Um, I want to ask and answer the question, what is not caregiving? What is not serving someone in love. This is not a complete list. I'm going to do this really, really fast. I'm going to give you five things. Number one, serving is not helping everyone who has needs. And I say that for those of you who tend to take on too much, and you know who you are. Um, if you think that you have to help everyone with needs, it will overwhelm you. And honestly, this is what I love about our GCs and our DNAs. They are a great way to divide up caregiving in a larger community. Number two, Serving, is, uh, serving others is not doing it all on your own. Remember Ivana? Remember the, the high need time in her life? We served her for months and months and months. Um, and I didn't do all that on my own. I, I didn't do a lot of it. Um, I don't even think most of it was even my idea. I just kind of directed traffic because I, I led the group, and then I jumped in where I fit best. So think of it like this. Sometimes caregiving is like carrying a heavy bucket, and sometimes it's like carrying a wrestling mat. Now, chances are not many of you have carried wrestling mats, so let me just break this down. A bucket, a, buck, a heavy bucket can be, can be carried by two people holding the handle together. You know what I'm talking about, one person on each side, and you just kind of lock and, and carry this heavy bucket. 
The wrestling mat, though, let me, let me give you a, a little wrestling mat lesson. Um, the way it works is the, the team gets on one side of the mat, and they roll the mat up. And then half the team gets on one side, half the team gets on the other side, and then it's like one, two, three, and they all lift together at the same time. And, and they're able to pull this 800,000-pound wrestling mat off the ground. They lock arms. And then you can carry that thing anywhere you need to go. So sometimes serving, serving others is just you and that other person uh, carrying the bucket together. Other times, the caregiving, it requires a team. But you don't have to do it all on your own. That's number two. Number three, serving others is not carrying someone else's load. That's where the second part, the second word that I wanted you to remember, that this is where that comes in. I told you we'd come back to this. If you remember, Paul said, carry each other's burdens, but not their loads. Everyone should carry their own loads. So one way to think about this, since this is a very metaphor-rich sermon, let me give you another one. Um, one way to think about this is the difference between a truckload and a backpack. Burdens are heavy like truckloads, but loads are light like backpacks. In fact, um, that word load in, in Galatians, it is used in ancient literature for a pack that a soldier would carry. It's a backpack. The load is a backpack. And so under normal living conditions, we should carry the weight of our everyday responsibilities. We're not to carry the weight of someone else's daily responsibilities when they can and should do that for themselves. That's not caregiving. Fourth, serving others is not owning someone else's problem. The key word there is owning. When we serve, we're helpers. We're not owners. When we step in to help, the problem doesn't automatically become ours. Someone ultimately has to own it. They have to own the need, own the burden, own the solution, but it's not the helper. And then the last thing, you guys, number five, and then we're going to wrap up. Serving others is not enabling bad or irresponsible behavior. Irresponsible living is dropping the ball and expecting someone else to catch it. Have you guys heard that? I've heard that a bunch. Irresponsible living is just that, dropping the ball and expecting someone else to catch it. Caregiving, when it's gone wrong, happens when we keep catching what someone else keeps dropping. Keeping chronically irresponsible people from the consequences of their actions is actually the opposite of caregiving. So I wanted to drop those five things on you. And, and I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come back up. Um, and I want to finish this sermon... And I actually want to finish this whole series uh, with a very simple question. And I'd love it if, if you just kind of settled into your heart here for a second and, and listen to the question and take this question in. The question is, who do you love? Who do you love? I think this is the most important question in life. I actually do. Like, I've literally thought about this for many, many years. And I think that's the most important question. And, and part of the reason I think that is because I think Jesus thinks it's the most important question, too. When our hearts are fully awake and online, it is amazing what we do. 
And more importantly, it's amazing who we become. And I just want to say, um, if this message hasn't landed for you, if, you know, we're at the end of this message, if you listen today and then your heart just took like a great big yawn, it could be because your heart is sleeping. It could be because your heart is actually offline. Or it could be something else. It could be me. I mean, it literally just could be me. But maybe you should consider waking your heart up for what is most important. And so let me just ask, who do you love? Like, who comes to mind when you think about that? Who matters to you? Who stirs your heart away from your preoccupation with yourself? I bet you have holy aspirations for somebody. Who is that? Who would you give yourself to so that they would change and grow and become more like Jesus? You will never change a single heart, not one. But you can absolutely influence the environment that someone's heart lives in. If you help your loved ones believe that they are known and loved without conditions, that it's safe for them to be who they are, then they will feel free to look for and see the truth about their lives. We can't change and grow without the church, without the truth. We just need enough safety to be willing to look at it. And then when that safety is created, then, then people are, are free to let others in their lives. It's called vulnerability. And it creates the inflow of goodness and guidance that every single person needs. And friends, that's when they can begin to make sense of the messages that they've collected all along the way. And finally, all of this, like I've been saying this whole time, um, it gets authenticated through your active serving because it's our caregiving that uh, meets skeptical hearts and, and frees them to believe that you can be trusted. So I can't climb into your heart and change you. I, I don't want to but I can absolutely influence the conditions that you live in. So when it comes to helping our loved ones change and grow, it's almost like we create the weather. So Jesus, um, you've been changing us and you've been growing us. And you want to continue to do that. And Jesus, we want to be a part of that process for each other. We want to help each other change and grow. I pray that our hearts would come fully awake for that, Jesus. And we'll be so grateful to you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.